We've talked a number of times on this podcast about the need to align your resilient strategies for crisis management, business continuity, and crisis communications to the business objectives, the strategy of your organization, and that without that alignment, your program will never gain the support that it truly needs to be successful. So in this episode, episode 178, we're going to dive into that language by looking at an earnings report that was released this morning. I'm recording this episode on December 20th, 2022, and we're going to look at General Mills Corporation and their fiscal 2023 Q2 results. Their second quarter of fiscal 2023 just ended. They released those results this morning. As you know, I'm Brian Strausser, Principal and Chief Executive here at BrightPath. And I want to dive into this press release, which we've linked linked in the show notes, to talk about what this means from a business perspective and how, as a resilience professional, you need to be able to read an earnings statement like this, a results statement, press release, uh, and dive into the financials and be able to understand what this means for your business. And for us, it starts by understanding where the business stands. So the press release here, uh, which I'm looking at on the Seeking Alpha website, uh, which is a financial news website I highly recommend, uh, is titled General Mills Reports Fiscal 2023 Second Quarter Results and Raises Full Year Outlook. That's a pretty positive headline. Why do I say that? Um, Because they're increasing their view They're raising their estimates for what their year-end fiscal 2023 is going to look like. They have four uh, key points at the top of their release. Let's talk about these. The first, net sales increased 4% from the prior year to $5.2 billion. Organic net sales were up 11%. So what they're saying here is that their net sales, not gross sales, net sales, were up 4% overall from where they were a year ago. And they're now at $5.2 billion. So 4% increase. But they're pointing out that their net sales in their organic segment, which I assume is is a breakout of just their, uh, of just their organic foods divisions or products, that those were up 11%. That indicates sharper growth in organics vis-a-vis non-organic products. Their second... Uh, Major point is operating profit of $800 million essentially matched year-ago levels. Adjusted operating profit was up 7%. So what they're saying here is that they're essentially making as much money as they were a year ago, but they also just said that their sales went up. So that indicates to me that somewhere they're leaking some money, which they do address elsewhere in their press release, but that should stand out to you. Third point. Diluted earnings per share, or EPS, of $1.01 increased 4% from prior year. Adjusted diluting earnings per share of $1.10 was up 12%. All right, so here we're talking about the amount of revenue per stockholder. Per, per, actually, not per stockholder, per, per share of the company. So what were the earnings per share? And they have diluted earnings and adjusted diluted earnings. Those mean some things. We'll talk about that in a moment. Fourth point that they make, company raises full year fiscal 2023 outlook. That means they think they're going to do better than they had originally projected. Okay, so with those kind of headlines, 
Um, let's dive in. Now, when I read these, these always start off with a statement, usually from the CEO, and this is no different. Uh, the press release starts with, we continue to execute well and delivered strong top and bottom line growth in the second quarter. Amid ongoing volatility in the operating environment, we remain focused on driving our Accelerate strategy by investing in brand building and innovation, strengthening our capabilities, and continuing to reshape our portfolio. With strong first half results and positive momentum on our business, we are increasing our full year outlook for organic net sales, adjusted operating profit, and adjusted diluted EPS growth. And that's the end of the CEO's uh, opening direct quote that'll be used. So we learn a couple things here, but mostly this is just spin. Um, they continue to execute well. All right. We delivered strong top and bottom line growth in the second quarter. Well, their top line growth was good. Um, their profit is flat, uh, essentially. So not so much. Um, admit growing volatility, volatility in the operating environment. So he's pointing here to uncertainty. Uh, and I think we would all agree going into 2023, where we are right now in December 2022, we, we feel like the environment's pretty volatile. Um, so he's setting the stage for, we think we're going to do better, but the volatility in the marketplace and with the economy could impact that. And then he goes on to talk about their strategies. They've published previously a strategy they call Accelerate that's focused on brand building and innovation, strengthening their capabilities, and reshaping their portfolio. The reshaping their portfolio, I think, is the important part to focus on. They have deliberately shifted more towards organic. They see that as a growth area. And um, part of their reshaping is they've reorganized the business um, into some different business lines. Um, they've reorganized their leadership team and they've had some departures and some new hires and promotions. Um, but also I read that as maybe there's products we may not make anymore or we may divest off to some other organization. Um, they see positive momentum. They see strong first half results. That's what I take away from the CEO statement. You always have to read between the lines. And then you got to go to the financials to really understand what's going on. So let's dive into that a little bit. Net sales increased 4% to $5.2 billion, including a five-point headwind from net divestiture and acquisition activity and one point of unfavorable foreign currency exchange. Okay, so there's a couple things happening here. Their sales went up. They got a headwind, meaning they took a sales drop because they divested themselves of some things and they spent money on acquisitions. They also lost a point of sales because of unfavorable foreign currency exchange. So this is when they're selling things in other markets or they're being paid in other markets in foreign currency and they're having to exchange that back to US dollars or vice versa, that that movement has been unfavorable to them in some places. This is a side effect of a lot of change in the global currency market, and it's a side effect of what large global organizations have to deal with. Sometimes you're on the positive side of this exchange, and sometimes you're not. Right now, you're not. And that's what General Mills is seeing here. The second line in their sales statement, organic net sales increased 11%, driven by positive organic net price realization and mix partially offset by lower organic pound volume. All right, that's a lot to digest. What they're saying here is that they have had, um, they've raised prices essentially on organics and made more money. They've changed the product mix 
And that has helped them make more money in organic sales. But this has been offset by volume per pound. So that is the, um, you know, just the challenge of how much a product is in a pound. Um, so that's, that's been the challenge for them. Then we get to margin. So when we're talking about sales, we're talking about, you know, what are we making on the top line here uh, offset by um, the, the cost of goods sold, the production cost of, of that net sales. Um, gross margin was up 20 basis points to 32.7% of net sales. Okay, so gross margin is before we even get into all of the expense where, you know, what does it cost to make this product with the cost of goods sold? And, um, you know, what are the other factors in producing that? And that's your gross margin. It's essentially a derivative of your, your price markup from your cost. So an increase in gross margin is a good thing. Um, they uh, 20 basis points, that's 21 hundredths of a percent. Um, so 0 0.20 essentially. Driven by favorable net price realization and mix, which we talked about, and then partially offset by higher input costs, that's raw material cost, an unfavorable mark to market effects. All right, that's, a, that's an accounting issue. Um, when you're holding the product before you sell the product, the price of the product can fluctuate based on the market. This tells me they're using a mark to market accounting system. Um, that's probably the right system for this type of manufacturer that's buying a huge amount of raw materials uh, on an ongoing basis. Adjusted gross margin was up 100 basis points, that's 1%, to 33.2% of net sales, again driven by favorable net price realization mix and holistic margin management cost savings. This is where they're trying to manage their margin. Uh, negatively impacted by input cost inflation, so increase in the cost of their materials, higher other cost of goods sold and supply chain uh, deleverage. So they have some positive movement on gross margin. There's a number of things on the downward side of gross margin that impacted them negatively. Here's where it gets interesting. The third uh, major uh, point in their financial statement here is operating profit of 800 million essentially matched year ago levels, reflecting higher gross profit dollars offset by higher. Okay, so they made more on the gross profit. We were just talking about that, the gross margin. But this has been offset by higher selling general and administrative expenses, which is the acronym SGNA expenses. These are all of your other expenses that go in to running the company. So it's all those HR people. It's all of us in resilience. Um, it's all of those costs related to selling, general expenses, and administrative expenses. Operating profit margin. So this is when we deduct from that gross margin amount, we deduct the, uh, these expenses. Operating profit margin of 15.3% was down 60 basis points. So that tells me, as they just disclosed, that their costs of all of their other expenses are going up. Um, the constant currency adjusted operating profit increased 7%, driven by higher adjusted gross profit dollars and then offset by higher adjusted SGNA expenses. Adjusted operating profit margin increased 60 basis points to 16.9%. So I'd have to go back and look at their historical statements, but this sounds like a pretty hefty increase. If you remember, they grew net sales 4% overall 
and 11% in organics, but they made the same amount of money on a dollar for dollar basis at 800 million. So their increased expenses are hurting them. But this is the same thing we're all seeing in the economy, right? Um, the, the cost of inflation, for example, is just one factor of everything costs more, labor costs more, tight labor market requires you to pay higher wages, higher healthcare expenses impact what you're paying in benefits. Those all impact your operating profit. And then we get into some detail on their earnings per share. Um, net earnings attributable to General Mills increased 1% to $606 million, and diluted earnings per share was up 4% to a dollar and one cent. This was driven by lower net shares outstanding. That means they're buying shares back. So they're in a share buyback. That always drives up your EPS. So you're basically spending excess cash to buy shares back. And less shares mean a higher earnings per share. It's usually a good place to be as a, as a company. Um, and a lower effective tax rate, meaning they had to they paid less in taxes partially offset by lower benefit plan non-service income, which means they're making less money on the cash holdings in their benefit plan, if I'm reading that correctly. I think that's the right definition. Adjusted diluted earnings per share of $1.10 increased 12%, driven primarily by higher adjusted operating profit, a lower adjusted tax rate, and lower net shares outstanding which we just covered, partially offset by lower benefit plan non-service income. So they're making less money uh, on that. Now, I like the fine print. So if I go down to the bottom here, uh, they have some notes, financial notes about their comparisons. And these are important to note. Financial results in the first half of 2023 reflected the acquisition of Tyson Foods' pet treat business and the divestiture of our European yogurt business in the third quarter of fiscal 2022, and that they divested certain international dough businesses in third and fourth quarter 2022, and they acquired TNT Crust Food Service, sold the helper main meals and suddenly salad side dishes business in 2023. So we can see where they've divested some businesses like helper and suddenly salad and some dough businesses and European yogurt, but they bought Tyson Foods pet treat business they bought TNT Crust Food Service, so we can kind of see some of those things balancing out. They also note they also call out that their results in fiscal 2023 included the impact of a voluntary recall on certain international Hagen Dazs ice cream products. That that was a negative to net sales and operating results in their international segment, and they had another 24 million dollars in charges related to product disposals associated with the ice cream recall that were excluded from their profit results. That they do, and, and they go on to say that they don't expect any further material impact from the ice cream recall beyond this statement. So these are important things. These are one-time costs that they're acknowledging that's important to understand for an investor and for an employee because it tells you, should I expect this to continue to impact financials or is this done and therefore what things should look like in the upcoming quarters will be better because that those one-time costs or short-term costs are gone. Now below that, they get into some uh, business segments um, at a high level. General Mills separates their business into North American retail, 
pet North American food service and international, which I assume is all non North America businesses. And we can kind of see the breakdown of what their sales growth look like and how it's attributed. So for example, we see that North American retail as a whole was up 11%, um, primarily driven by both price and mix, which was actually up 19%. They lost 8% on lower volume, which means they sold less, and 1% on foreign exchange currency. So that's probably from buying raw material or from other suppliers that is imported into the United States and they're having to you know, deal with the currency changes. For pet, pet didn't grow at all. Uh, they had 11% sales growth due to price and mix and lost 11% in sales due to lower volume and that balanced out. North American Food Service was up 24%. 21% of that was price and mix and 2% on higher sales volume. And then on international, they just took it in the pants. Uh, net sales down 27%, uh, volume down 39%, price and mix up 18%, currency exchange down 6%. And then when you balance all this out, we see 4% net sales, 1% loss of that for foreign currency exchange, 17% increase based on price and mix, and 12% decrease on lower volume. So you can see where those segments kind of balance out. Part of that international drop may have been, and I don't know without digging deeper, the divestor of a lot of their international subsidiaries and brands that they unloaded uh, may have lowered that volume internationally, and that may be, may be why we see such a big drop in their international volume. So I wanted to give you you know, just a little bit of an overview of, of reading a financial statement uh, using this example from this morning. General Mills, of course, here in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul, Minnesota, one of the largest employers, one of the biggest businesses, gets a lot of news when their earnings come out. But this is a good example of here are the basics that you need to understand in order to communicate these things um, upwardly in the organization to be able to explain them to your team and to be able to understand the concerns raised by your business partners and, and what this might mean from a continuity perspective. One thing I would encourage you to do is, is uh, listen to your company's earnings calls. For example, General Mills uh, undoubtedly will have a call this morning as I'm recording this and they'll, um, actually it was probably already this morning before the market opens, uh, and you know they would have talked through um, the statement and gone into some detail and then they would have taken questions from analysts in the media that would be on the call. And you get analysts from the various institutional investors and um, you know companies like Fidelity or Ameriprise that you know are, are advising their clients on what to do in relation to General Mills stock or other investments. Um, but you also get the media like the Wall Street Journal and others um, as uh, you know, folks that are asking questions on these calls. I always find these insightful, and I think as a leader in your organization, they're worth listening to. And of course, you can find, um, to learn more, you can find a lot of uh, free material on YouTube or some university websites uh, on uh, general uh, financial and managerial accounting. Um, or you can, uh, you know, my approach to grad school was to get an MBA uh, because. I didn't feel like I needed to get a degree, a graduate degree in criminal justice. That's what my undergraduate degree was in. 
or in, uh, you know, there are some schools that have degrees in continuity of operations or emergency management. And I, I wasn't really trying to learn more about this subject matter. Rather, I was trying to understand how can I have a bigger impact on the business? How can I have a better understanding of how the business really works? And that took me, you know, to business school as a graduate degree option. That's it for this edition of the Managing Uncertainty podcast. We'll be back next week with another new episode. Be well.